I was just raised on, you know, just get a good degree, get a good job and just, yeah, try and get a good car someday and have a good, nice house. Like that's just basically what I was raised on. But I had one thing in mind, which I always knew I wanted, which is I just wanted money. And yes, selfish as that may sound as cliche, whatever you want. But that's just the one thing that I always knew I want. I just wanted to have enough money to just not care about anything at all. Welcome to the On Fire Podcast, episode 35. With your hosts, Matt and Kellen. In the On Fire Podcast, we discuss financial independence, real estate investing, frugality, minimalism, and retiring early. But before we get into the next episode of our podcast, I'd like to talk to you guys about leaving us a rating and written review. We're at 98 ratings right now. At the time of this shooting, I would absolutely love to crush that 100th rating by the time this episode comes out. So if you guys are listening to this, please do us a huge favor, jump over. It's the only thing we ask of you to really do as part of being a subscriber to this podcast. Leave us a written review and a five-star rating on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. Today's guest is Mina G. And uh, actually, we had an episode with Mike Van Hout recently. And honestly, there's a lot of similarities I've noticed. Just the idea that you know, Mina's got a bunch of different businesses and really loves to work hard. So I think I think if you guys like that episode, you're going to like this one as well. Yeah, Mina's got pharmacies and real estate investing, and he's been scaling up quite quickly. So I think it's a good episode. Yeah, I'm biased. I've been working with Mina for the last year, but it's been amazing really to see the evolution of him as a business owner, as well as uh, becoming a very successful real estate investor. There's a lot of life lessons in this episode, guys. Um, really looking forward to presenting it to you. But enough chatting. Let's hear a quick word from our sponsors and then dive into the interview. This episode is sponsored by the Findlay Mortgage Team. The Findlay Team was born out of the idea that through exceptional service and expert advice, they can create a world of more accessible capital for their clients. As real estate capital advisors, their mission is to assist investors in strategically scaling their portfolios. They understand the struggle that investors face and how difficult it can be to scale once the banks say no. Their experts find alternative solutions by leveraging institutional and private capital stacks, strong networks, and competitive products, allowing them to offer an industry-leading service that is unparalleled in the Canadian real estate market. All right. I'm really excited to have our next guest on the uh, podcast here. We've got Mina. Mina's a serial entrepreneur. So I stumbled across Mina maybe a year and a half, two years ago now. And it's been wild ride just watching him uh, jump, you know, really into real estate investing and a lot of different entrepreneur endeavors. So Mina is a pharmacist. He's got multiple pharmacies that he operates. He's also built a massive real estate empire in quite a short period of time. I think he's up to over 80 units at this point, if I remember correctly. He's also got a young family that he's juggling and he's trying to break into social media. So Mina, how's it going? Yeah, I'm doing very well, Matt. Thank you for the introduction. Yeah, it's not I'm not a very experienced podcast guest, if you will. But yeah, I'm excited to try this out. And thanks for having me, Kellen. Yeah, no worries. We'll, we'll make it easy for you. So we'll dive more into this later. And I'm actually looking forward to hearing this because I don't know enough about your story. So can you give us a brief summary for now of what the last year has looked like and uh, you know the kind of things you've been working on? Yeah. So the last year was quite an interesting year for myself. It was technically my first year. Well, I started a little in late 2019, but you know, it's six year to just say one year, 2020. So I just started this real estate thing and uh, yeah, I just amped up a little quicker than I maybe should have. But uh, right now, I accumulated 80 plus units in the southwestern Ontario region. And yeah, it's been quite fun. Obviously, not without its challenges, not without all the, all the mistakes, really. But yeah, that's pretty much it for the past year. I do also operate my own little pharmacies. I do have like three. Well, you might think it's like really impressive, but they're like three really tiny ones one in Bradford and Danforth and in North York. So, and also small, two small little clinics. They all started recently. When did I start them? 2017 was basically my start with all these. Awesome. So yeah, like that's my 2020 right there. And so that's just really kind of the tip of the iceberg when it comes to your entrepreneurial experience and background. So I'd love to jump back to the roots with you. So kind of walk us through your background with entrepreneurship, with investing, with kind of being in control of your financial independence? So I didn't really, like I'm a recent immigrant. So I got my PR card in Canada back in 2017, very early 2017, I got my PR card. And I didn't, like before I came here, I wouldn't really describe myself 
as an entrepreneur or like, I didn't really have these thoughts where I have to build businesses. I need to have financial independence. None of that really. I was just raised on, you know, just get a good degree, get a good job and just, yeah, try and get a good car someday and have a nice house. Like that's just basically what I was uh, raised on. But I had one thing in mind, which I always knew I wanted, which is I just wanted money. And yes, selfish as that may sound as cliche, whatever you want, but that's just the one thing that I always knew I want. I just wanted to have enough money to just not care about anything at all. And not in a financially independent way, in just the most consumer way you may ever think. Just spend without thinking. Like I didn't like to go online and look up for a sale or just looking at each menu when I go in each restaurant, things like that. So that's the main thing that kind of drove me. And when I came here, it was fascinating to me how like easy it is to make the money. So I was like really happy because you could literally do anything just slightly above average effort and you will make a lot of money. So what I'd like to call my story of flags to riches is when I first came here, yeah, well, my status was a little questionable. We'll talk about that later. And I, I just bought a bunch of flags. It was like the World Cup series at the time. And I bought a bunch of flags from Brampton. It wasn't like a genius idea or anything. I just saw a bunch of people doing it. And I just Googled where to buy flags. There was a warehouse in Brampton. I went and bought them. It was like a dollar fifteen or a dollar twenty-five each. And you know, I just stood on the street. I asked a gas station guy here on Young and Steels, and he just told me, "Yeah, dude, just sit, stand over here, do whatever the hell you want." And I started selling them, and it's just fantastic. You sell a flag for ten bucks each, and the big flag is twenty or twenty-five. And if you install it, you get another five. So it was like just free money. People were throwing money at you. And in a couple of weeks, I believe I made like a little over $10,000 or $12,000 in cash. So I was like, okay, like this is really easy over here. I should just amp up and do more work. And started doing my studies, finished up all my exams and all these things. And once I got my PR, I, I knew like I'm a terrible employee. Like I, I just, I'm not a good employee. Like I, you wouldn't recommend hiring me at all, especially because I'm just lazy and I just want to take shortcuts, things of that nature. And I knew after a while I met my mentor who's, his name is Mike Hanna. Uh, he just took me into his pharmacy, taught me everything from zero to whatever I know now. And I knew then that's like, yes, I, I definitely don't want to be an employee. I want to have a business. And that's when it started you know, just he injected that thought into my brain where, you know, you need to work hard. You're going to have to show up here on Sundays. Oh, it's Christmas. Doesn't matter. You're going to need to work. New Year's, great. You're going to need to work. And that's when I started realizing, well, I'm doing this and I'm getting quite significant returns in a short period of time and other people are not doing it. And I started just doing it more. So I spent quite a bit of time during that. You would think that I was a business owner. I technically wasn't. I just owned my own job, but I don't regret it for sure because it just gave me that mindset where just keep working and you're going to be fine. Uh, I stumbled across afterwards, like Matt's channel, and I did the whole stocks. I still do. Uh, I did Amazon FBA, you know, the classical steps that you take when you want to quote unquote get passive income. The trigger for that was I had my son and I wasn't spending any time with him at all. And I thought that was, you know, cool of me because I'm providing for him. He doesn't understand now. He'll understand later all the things that you, anybody would say. However, I just realized like he doesn't really want to sit with me. He wants to sit with mom because mom's sitting with him all the time. He mostly, when he wakes up, hey, mom, like it just, it just bothered me. And after a while, I had a partner where I had like some sort of issue with and I realized, oh shit, I need my hours now to work. Otherwise, I won't have money. So that just took me like three months of quite a dark period in my life. And then, yeah, just got into real estate and the fun stuff started. So pretty much it. What have been like, so, you know, what is the last, like acquiring these 80 plus units, like what does that look like? What would have been like the structure of these things and, and approaching the financing and, and all of that? Great. So I'm not like the kind of person who would, plan the 80 plus units from day one. Like that wasn't my plan at all. I, I met with Matt a couple of times when I first started and he told me basically it's easy. What do you want to do? And well, I, so I wanted to get like uh, two properties and then I said, oh, let me amp it up to four. And I thought, okay, let me just focus on getting these. I didn't really think it was anywhere near possible to get 80 plus. So financing, 
was initially challenging because uh, the first bank I went to was HSBC. And HSBC literally told me, uh, we can give you maybe 200,000. And that just like destroyed my, you know, my dream right there. But I also had already knew, knew, like I already known that from Matt. He said like, there's banks that are going to tell you no, just tell them to shut up and go check another bank. So that's what I did. I went to a broker, pretty much got, you know, a little bit better, but similar-ish responses. And they just didn't care and asked another broker. And then eventually it was like really easy. So I got a fourplex with Jeff and it was vacant. So we paid a little bit more to get it vacant because also that was one of the things I saw in the video. So basically I didn't really invent, reinvent the wheel or do anything fantastic on my own. I just watched people like, see the strategies, what are they doing? And just, you know, went and did that. And everything just seemed to roll through one at a time. First thing, I, the first money, I just borrowed it, right? I got my down payment. I borrowed it from businesses and then had it by myself. I put it in my bank account for like two, three months. Yeah, just got the property and then moved on to the next one. The next one was a destroyed duplex. I saw it on a limo tour when we were going to Windsor. It was my first time in Windsor. And also Matt was there. This one, I believe, had like a VTB on it. I didn't essentially at the end buy it with the VTB, but the seller, which was Ben at the time, he wanted to just do basically, he said, pay $10,000 down and take the property as a VTB, just pay me interest 1% a month. And then, yeah, you could get out of the mortgage any time. So I just used a line of credit and purchased it, then you know refinanced it later. But then I realized how this can snowball really quickly because that single shitty duplex that I got, which I did no real full on research with it. I just thought I saw, okay, there's two units. It's 120 K or 130 K each one can rent for maybe a thousand bucks. It doesn't seem like a bad idea. Let me just go in and lose 10 grand and learn the whole thing. So now I'm going to learn construction. It's just a course, but to my surprise, I, yeah, obviously I did all the mistakes the market went up and you know it's quite forgiving the real estate market and what happened is that later on evaluated for like 350k when i only spent like maybe 60 including holding costs so i was like ah oh, shit this thing is like really powerful so i got another sixplex from matt for 305,000 recently reevaluated that's in january this year for a million bucks and i spent like 120 so I'm like, oh, this is like, okay, I don't know why I'm not doing, but I need to do this like really quickly and really aggressively. But yeah, that's just what I started. I started, well, I'm lucky enough that anybody, like I start raising money, it's just people throw money at me for some reason, because in my, at least in my mind, they know that I am not going to stop. Like if you give me money, you're getting your money back. You're getting a healthy return. Not because I just, I'm going to do my job. Just, I take it very personally. Like I can't lose. I'm not going to look someone in the eye and tell them that I lost. So it's partially ego, but also like I realized how easy it is to find money when there are deals and when you know what you're doing. So I just need to amp up and know what I'm doing and just keep moving. Yeah. That's pretty much how that worked. In terms of financing, you were asking, most properties had some form of creative financing here or there some cashback, some VTBs, and some straight up just borrowed down payment and went to the bank and got the rest. Awesome, Mina. I, I definitely appreciate that context. And I kind of want to revisit just your entire story here because I think it could be easy to get lost in all the big numbers and deals you've done. But it, you know, I've been making YouTube videos now for five years. There's people that have been watching my YouTube channel for the last five years, thinking about investing in real estate. And here you are in the last three years, you've became a Canadian, learned about Canadian real estate, also launched your pharmacy businesses while also starting a real estate empire. Like, I guess, what do you attribute to that drive to move so fast? And any advice for people that maybe are sitting on the sidelines and wishing that they could move as fast and break as many things as you are? There's two parts of this. So the first part was I, at the time, like this is a very, and you know this, Matt, we've spoken about this multiple times, but there's this really elusive question, which sounds on the surface, extremely easy and just juvenile even, which is what do you want? And like Matt asked me this like 
proof, like multiple times. And I never know like the full on answer to that. So if you want to do anything, you need to just shut the fuck up for a little bit and just take some time and just ask your question that, and you can't answer yourself in the generic, Oh, I just want to help everybody. And you know, the whole, everybody's great kind of like, just answer what question, what that question is like in your own brain. So what do you want at the time? It was really easy for me because I just knew that I just wanted money, regardless of you. If you like that answer, you don't like that answer, but in my own deep thoughts, when I was sitting by myself, when I was, that was all I thought about. I just wanted money. So that kind of just unknowingly even like just pushed me really hard because I knew exactly what I wanted and the path to it is relatively easy. And when I came here, I didn't know anything else. I didn't have, you know, I don't have much family, don't have much friends, like none of that stuff. So I was like, well, just if you want money, well, here it is. It's very clear to you. If you do just a little bit of work, you're going to get a bunch of money. And I, I just utilized whatever skill sets that I had and just made money. And the more you work, you get like rewarded immediately and significantly. So I'm like, there's no reason for me to just stop now. I just need to continue on doing more. There, there is like a caveat to that because at, at least for myself, when I first came here, my background, like from, from Egypt, money isn't like as abundant as you might think. And when you come here, all of a sudden you feel like, oh shit, this is so easy. Just, just work more. That's all this is. I didn't have any, you know, fancy morning routines, didn't have any, didn't read a whole bunch of books. Did like, I just woke up, did shit, got money, went to sleep and this just repeated the process. So I am, I know it's not like a very helpful answer. However, in the other side of it is like, you don't really need to think about it that much. It's usually very, very easy, especially when you have extremely limited downside. Like there's pretty much no downside over here. Like, what is your downside? Like you have no downside at all. Like you're going to lose your, your Honda. Like it doesn't matter. You you lost your CRV. Great. Fuck it. You're going to be fine. There's social programs. And I knew to, at least for myself, I know about myself, like no one will outwork me. No one will outlearn me. So if I lose everything today, someone out there will hire me. He'll be very lucky to hire me because I'm going to work my ass off. And then like, I'm going to be fine. Like what's going to happen? I'm going to find another job. Yes, it's, it's cool. And I didn't have any kids at the time. So it was like really easy for me to, to jump in and just, you know, do stuff. I didn't really perceive any risk, which just made it easier. Yeah, there's there's a lot to be said for just understanding your worst case scenario in any situation. So, you know, we'll often see, you know, people coming from another country, they're going to be, they're generally, we just tend to see people working a lot harder because, you know, a lot of people aren't handed, you know, what we're lucky enough to be, to, you know, be like, I'm lucky enough to be born in Canada. You know, it's surprisingly difficult to find people who are just willing to work hard. So if you, if you work hard, I mean, you stand out about amongst, uh, you know, in the top, whatever percent of people. And then if you work, you know, even more hours than the, than those people, then you're going to just generally end up ahead. And yeah, understanding your worst case scenario allows you to be a little more comfortable with you know, risk tolerance and, you know, just the idea, like you said, of, you know, taking on projects and understanding that that's essentially just paying tuition, you know, the opportunity to learn, like you said, maybe you lose 10 grand, but now you understand things better. You know, I know as my, like for myself, I tend to be pretty far on the opposite end of the spectrum where I'll oftentimes overthink things. So uh, sometimes there's a lot to be said for, you know, just taking action and not not overthinking things. I wanted to ask, though, you talked about the idea, you know, money being at least the initial goal and things like that. I've seen that to be a challenge for myself and for, for others in the past where, you know, do you end up with a uh, financial independence goal or number? You know, is there because generally there ends up being some kind of a some kind of a goal that drives you beyond money, because I've just found that to be a struggle for myself where, you know, it's a never ending cycle. What kind of thoughts do you have on, on that? At the beginning, as I said, like, I didn't really have any thoughts on any of that. Like, this is positive and a negative because there's like some sort of uh, redeeming quality about being, you know, an idiot and just not knowing any of these things. Because these are, in my mind, at least, these are luxurious thoughts. Like, you get, like, I'm having all these thoughts now because I'm more comfortable, right? So, right now, I feel... Like, I don't know exactly which direction I should be going. Should I do this? What is like, these are luxury thoughts because you're like, at least for me, I'm already a little bit more comfortable than when I started. 
So I was lucky enough to not have that. Like I was just, I came here. I didn't have anything. I have no place to stay. I have no money. Like I can't really think about, well, if I, like I didn't have that luxury. So it was just like right now what you need is money because money is going to solve your problem. Whether that's true or not, that's not the issue. But at the time I agreed with that sentiment that money will solve all my current problems. And that just drove me to get more money. I now know that it's not the case, like money will not solve all your problems. However, you know, when you listen to any rich person in anywhere talk, the first thing they tell you is money's not everything. Money's not everything. And that while that is really true, but I feel like I can't tell someone that. That is an extremely you know, selfish and maybe patronizing thought in a way, because I can't just sit here and look at someone in the eye who doesn't have anything and he's trying to grow and tell him like, money's not everything. You need to, you know, just calm down and do other stuff, like just meditate. No, I, I don't truly believe, like for myself, at least I don't believe that because I do feel that the whole thought embedded in us since we were children, at least for myself, coming up from a religious background, we were Christians, we go to church all the time. The whole thought of money is the root of all evil is just, is detrimental because now you're just sitting here thinking money is the root of all evil. Even if you're not consciously thinking it, that just, that holds you back. And I, right now, still to this day, think that money is not the root of all evil. In fact, the lack of money is the root of all evil because most problems happen due to a lack of money or you're not financially secure because you could watch people. We're very fragile creatures. Our mental state is extremely fragile, even though we like to think it's not, but with a slight push in the wrong direction, you could just watch someone spiral down. And I saw that all the time. So I thought money is a good safety net and it's easy to make, especially in a great country like this. So why not solve that problem first and then figure out the other nice questions in life. So that was my prerogative on it, especially because the whole money can't buy you happiness is great. However, you also cannot buy, you know, security. You can't buy freedom. You can't, all these things, you can't like actually buy them, go to a store and buy them. However, money provides them to you in a way. And it provides you also the experience where, where maybe that's a little bit opposite to the whole fire thing. But yeah, like saving everything and just because money doesn't matter, we'll, sp- we'll have some and we'll spend our life later on. You can't buy an experience later on. You can save money now and do something later. But if you have money now, you can have like, let's say something as stupid as like, let's call it a Ferrari. Okay. Eh, some people will say like, this is just consumerism at its finest. It's garbage, blah, blah. But you can always buy a Ferrari later if you save all the blah, blah, blah. However, you can't buy the experience of having a Ferrari when you're 25 or when you're 30. Like that is an experience for this particular second in time and you can't replace that. So in my mind, I was like, I want to have all the money and I want to have it, all of it now so I can do everything now. And that just kind of drove me to you just get more, get more. And even if you, someone who's like listening and thinking to himself, I'm not about that life. I'm not a materialistic whore like Mina. Great. But also, this is kind of your responsibility because whether you like it or not, this is the game we're living. This is the world we live in. And this is the actual game. It's like who has money technically is able to do whatever they want. So if you have this noble thought of, I want to feed all the homeless in the world, well, you can sit and complain how all the billionaires are pieces of shit. However, you're sitting there with your great thought and doing nothing about it. So get all the money and then do whatever the hell you want, whether it's good or bad, that's just on you now, but having all the money in your back pocket allows you to do whatever your shitty brain thinks. That's basically my thought behind that process there. Awesome. Really appreciate you breaking that down for us, Mina. So switching gears here a little bit, I'd love to talk to you about juggling multiple priorities. So how do you manage everything that you're doing at once? And do you mind, maybe I even missed some things in the introduction, but you know, we've got multiple pharmacy businesses, which will have multiple employees there. You've got a young family, you've got a real estate empire, and now you're kind of getting to the level that if you don't have full-time staff soon, you likely will by the end of this year, I'd imagine, if you continue to grow at the rate you are. And you're also trying to break into social media, which, you know, 
coming from someone that spent the last five years investing a lot of time and energy into social media, it's kind of a bottomless pit. You can spend as much time as you've got available trying to you know, improve your social media, in my opinion. So how do you juggle all these different priorities and opportunities? So initially also, like I used to spend all my time, like that was my solution, which is, you know, just work more, just work more. And that worked for a while, but then it came to a breaking point where I just didn't want to anymore. And I just couldn't as well. So like the way I try and, I mean, maybe this is not just something that I made up, but you just hire people. Like it's kind of simple. Uh, Like in the pharmacies, I always have people working, right? I try and reduce my existence and replace myself just task by task. So I I sat down uh, several days and this is something like that is extremely crucial that I didn't know before, which is you need to have days to just shut up and think. You need to sit down and just think about the things that are bothering you. And then it all of a sudden becomes really easy because you put on a board So these are the things that I do. I want to reduce 10 hours in the pharmacy a week. Okay, so what do I do? I go in and I, let's say I dispense or I manage the physicians or I have to check in on the, like the technicians and the people that I hire there, whatever that looks like. And I just take each task and try and replace myself. So, okay, who can do this particular task? Okay, I'm going to outsource it to this particular person here, and I'm going to need to spend 10 hours to train them. So I just did that one at a time. And it eventually just, you know, reduced all my time requirements in most of my businesses. It wasn't really a magical formula, but just check each task and try and outsource it and then go to the next level up. So I start by the most mundane tasks that I perceive mundane, or I don't like to do, or I don't know how to do whatever that looks like. And then just you know, be comfortable letting that task go to someone. And it's not an easy task by any means, just letting go of certain control aspects of your business. But you're going to have to learn that because eventually you can't, as Matt was saying before, you can't just think of your time. You can't be like very frugal with your money and extremely generous with your time. Because if anything, you need to be extremely frugal with your time, like be extremely selfish and just hold your time to very close and dear regard because most problems that you can solve with money, you just you just solve them with money. Like why are you solving with them with your time, your ever dwindling resource when you have this other resource, which is money and try and solve it with that. So I also read it in some book, I don't remember which one, but it was saying, if money can solve your problem, then you don't have a problem. You just You just need to make a little bit more money to solve that problem. So I just approached it that way. And it was extremely helpful. Obviously, there might be people that say, well, your results will decrease. And that is, in a way, true. Like, you won't get as 100% yourself. However, it allowed me to go, you know, do a whole bunch of real estate and then leave real estate and do, like, start filming some videos. And I also sell some stuff on Amazon right now. And, like, it allowed me to do all these little small things and trying them and failing and not failing and all I attribute all of that to just sitting down, taking time, looking at them like bare bone breakdown, very stupid, really just look at a task and outsource that and draw an X on it and then go to the next task. Like that's pretty much it. And then Mina, when do you decide it's time to like take on the next opportunity? Like how did you decide it was time to move on? Like that real estate was, doing its thing. And you could now also take on social media. I really didn't sit down and fully decide. It just came like as a byproduct because once you, at least for myself, I get bored, like really easy. Like I just get bored. So I got kind of bored with certain aspects of real estate. And I also, initially I was doing everything myself, which was the same mistake that I did in my regular business. It's just like, I'm going to when I say everything myself, doesn't mean like I do renovations, but like I manage everything myself. I want to solely own all these properties. I want to do this. I want to go and follow up on the contract. So I used to drive, like I live in Vaughan, close, like North of Toronto. And I used to drive to Windsor two, three times a week. And that's just counterintuitive because I was getting into real estate to, you know, have the quote unquote passive income. And that's just stupid. Now I left my pharmacy that I worked in 12 hours a day. And then I now drive eight hours just to back and forth from Windsor and spend another four hours there. It was kind of stupid. So I started 
partnering up afterwards. So my initial leg of my, you know, well, let's call it journey, first four or five months, I just accumulated by myself. And then I realized that I'm not going to be able to scale as fast as I'd like with that method, especially being really that far away and having other things that I need to do and my family and all that. So I started partnering up after that. And I found that I was able to grow a lot faster. So from up until I think August, I had about maybe 40 units and that's just by myself. And then from August till December, I accumulated another 40 and that's just in a much shorter period of time. And I had a lot more time also to do like real, like uh, my, if I wanted to call it social media game and focus on my pharmacies and start building more. And I was trying to sell a couple of them, like things of that nature. I found that I, I was afforded more time basically. So you've been on the active side and then now I imagine with the partnerships more on the money partner, money, money side of things, or like what's the experience been like kind of jumping between those two different types of ownership and uh, partnership structure? So I've never really been, you know, either active or money. I, I pretty much do the exact same thing from before to now. Like I am not good at, uh, like, I don't know how to do any renovations. I know nothing about that. And I don't like particularly have a shit ton of cash that I'm just investing. So I... I also don't use my personal money in anything. I just get, you know, I borrow money at my own risk, at my own expense. And I just take that money and I know how I I look at real estate projects now and I see because I've done this before in X, Y, and Z. So I see, okay, like this project can get me here and I can pull this money out. So what I need to do is just have the correct set of people around me and be really aggressive with my timelines and be really aggressive with my budgets. And I started realizing very quickly that everything that I've been doing in the beginning was slightly wrong. Like, because most people would tell you, oh, if you want to gut a unit and blah, 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 you spend 20K. I realized afterwards that, oh, you can spend only 5K and do that. And I realized that I was doing certain mistakes by over renovating or, you know, the classic mistakes that everybody would fall through. I realized while having partners that are better than me in those areas that we are both we're both active but we're both active within our limited skill sets like, like I am like to think at least to myself that I'm very good at raising capital and I'm very good at negotiating and finding random deals so I focused on that and focused on just managing aggressive budgets and aggressive timelines while partnering up with people who know know more than me in in the real estate world and how to get this and how to get this cheaper and how to manage a crew and how fast we can get this project. And, you know, it, it just worked out kind of beautifully. I'm very lucky in that regard. But yeah, like, I don't think it's that hard. I just think everybody needs to figure out truly what they are good at. Like, just think to yourself, what am I actually good at? What am I happy doing? And just do that only. And the rest of it, outsource it or hire it out or partner with someone who's good at doing it. Yeah. Something like that. Awesome. I really appreciate that. So Mina, I've got a question. Do you think, will you ever do the traditional retirement? Like, is there a moment where you're going to cash out and just relax on a beach? I will 1000% never do that. Like, This is not, this is not a thing that I can do. I thought it to myself and I just realized I just don't want to do that. Like I was a little upset initially when I was like, Oh, this way I'm never going to be sitting on a beach, you know, just not doing anything. And I realized like, I just, at this point, at least that's not what I want. And it's okay to change your mind. Like it's fine. For me, I I never knew I would be here if you talked to me beginning 2020 and I don't know where I'm going to be beginning 2022. So I can't really put, at least this is what I told myself. I can't really put to myself certain pathway that I have to go for the next five or 10 years. Like it's ridiculous notion. It's a ridiculous notion for people to expect from themselves to know exactly where you're going to be at 80. It's kind of a boring thing as well. Like I, I like change and I like to think, oh shit, let's, let's try this route here. It's an experience and I'd like to experience all of it. And I'd like to experience it in different areas, but I love, I love work in a weird way. Not work where I just go and do labor. I just love creating new things, finding a business and just running and getting 
like massive success with it and then going to another thing and start from zero and go to a hundred. Like that's what I like. And I really truly enjoy that run. So I thought to myself, well, if I enjoy the run, let me just do a little more runs until I get bored with it and find out I want to retire. Cool. I'll probably do that. But in the meantime, I, at this particular moment in time, do not think I want to retire at all. Like it's just going to kill me. Yeah. I think, I think for most people, even for like the, you know, like the typical, like frugal financial independence type person, even them, like most people don't want to just sit around. They want to, they want to, they want the, they want the time and freedom in their life to do exactly what it is they want to do. So maybe that's income generating and maybe that's volunteering or maybe that's, I don't know, whatever it may be traveling, that kind of stuff. I think it's a pretty common, common thought that, you know, people don't want to just sit around on a beach. <laughs> I mean, I think it's something that's fun for maybe a couple of weeks after you leave your job or something like that. But I think that it's kind of a misguided thing that people, you know, they expect that that's what they want from, you know, the freedom that they get. And I think pretty quickly when you, when you reach financial independence, you get to a point where you, you have time to think about all the things you want from your life and you start to really hone in on, on what those things are. You know, like when you're in the middle of, you know, like a lot of people work their day job, their nine to five, they come home and all they want to do is watch Netflix. And like, I don't blame them because you want to just disconnect. But, you know, when you leave your job, you don't want to watch Netflix for, you know, for the rest of your life. <laughs> it's just fun as like a short term escape. And those short term escapes are different than what you want when you actually have financial independence. Yeah, no, like that is actually like that's great advice because I didn't hear that. You know, like all I heard was passive income, you know, these very flashy titles, sit on the beach, sit on like, don't do anything. Why are you wasting your life? All these random little, uh, you know, models here and there, I never really heard that. And when I kept hearing passive income, passive income 20 times a day for like three months, I really wanted passive income. Like I didn't. And I thought anytime I work, I started to get a little miserable because this is not really passive. I should be getting passive income. Like I was told what to want and what to think. And when I broke out of that, just a little bit, obviously nobody's fully free of it. But when I started to break out of that thought where okay, well, maybe, maybe I don't want that. That's when I started to, you know, get a little more relaxed and just be fine. Like there's a weird sense of security in insecurity, if that makes any sense. Like you get, you get the sense of, okay, like it's okay to be not knowing what you want. It's okay to sit down and just think about how change your mind or change trajectory or not listen to what everybody wants you to do, like that kind of thing. Okay, that's maybe off topic there, but thanks for saying that. That's actually really important. Awesome. Love it, Mita. So let's move on to the fire four. So we'd like to ask every guest on the podcast the same four questions. And so the first question in the fire four, Mita, is what are you grateful for? Yeah, that's, is that the easy one or the challenging one? I'm that's like an easy one. I'm, I'm really thankful for, first of all, coming to a country like this, right? Like, because it, my mindset completely shifted and I would not be wherever I am right now if I was in a different country or like back home, for example, it was much more difficult to do that with the mindset and with how everything is scarce as opposed to here where everything is abundant. And at least you get, get the chance to release your mind and do whatever you want and you're going to be fine. So I'm really thankful for that. And I'm also extremely thankful. And I'm like, one of the most luckiest person like you'll ever meet in your entire life because I just, when I go somewhere, it just shit starts happening to me. And it happened to me here as well. Like I found mentors in every area of my life very quickly. And I, they taught me everything extremely selflessly and just gave me all their contacts, all their information. One of them actually being uh, Matt in the real estate and not only in real estate and other aspects as well, but like I met, Mike, for example, when I came here, not everybody has an opportunity like that to meet with a great businessman who takes extreme interest in them and just teaches them everything immediately. So yeah, I'm extremely thankful for that. And then kind of switching it to the exact opposite question, what is a guilty pleasure or something in life that you can't live without? Okay. Well, I know now that desire of certain materialistic items is not particularly the most healthy form of happiness or whatever, but I am in certain aspects really materialistic. Like I love cars as generic as that might sound. So I really want to be able to have expensive gas guzzling cars. Like that's what I want. I want to have 
really expensive watches, for example. And I know there are certain thoughts behind, look, that's not going to make you happy. Desire is the ultimate blah, blah, blah. And, but I just want them right now. So I just, yeah, like that's a guilty pleasure of mine. And steak. I'm a steak whore, just so everybody knows. Okay. And then question number three, is there a frugality tip or life hack that you'd like to share with the listeners? Yeah. So as much as everybody might look at what I'm doing and see like, oh, I, I like I'm, I'm an idiot with money. Like I spend on my personal life. I just, I just like to spend and not think about it. And that was my whole point of trying to get money. However, frugality is like of the utmost importance, especially in business. And if you're trying to grow, I, I would throw money away. However, in my pharmacy, I print on each paper back and forth. Like if I print it, I put it back in, I print again. The, if there are bottles, we don't, we try and reuse certain things. Like everything you try and cut down costs because I don't know where I read this. I think Mike told me this, but a very important tip was the leanest of operation always wins. So the lean operation will win because everybody wins when everything's going up and beautiful. But when things start tightening up or going down, the frugal person wins. And that goes in personal life, in business life, everything really. I, I believe I, I'm not sure, maybe Tim Ferriss, someone was saying that they use, like someone really affluent and rich, they, they do this every three months where they take a week and they start living like they're just poor as shit. They have one t-shirt, they eat just canned beans and they live like sleep in a sleeping bag. And that's just to train your brain that happiness has nothing to do with money and frugality is, is in reality your you just push down your hedonic treadmill and then anything above that now you start getting happier moving forward so yeah frugality is a non-negotiable you can't just live your life throwing around money in business and then blah blah you're never going to get anywhere choose things to not be frugal at but other things you need to be really tight so yeah I think frugality is a skill more than anything, right? It's something that you can you can use at times when you need it, when it's needed. And you know, I think Elon Musk had a time where he, you know, he ate pasta for a month just to show he could live on a dollar a day for food. And I think it's just it helps you to be ready to take more risks, right? When you know that your worst case scenario is something you can you can bear. Absolutely. So our last question, this is one of the more difficult ones, is you know, if you're if you're watching a movie right now, you're the main character of the movie and you're sitting there watching it and you're, you're rooting for that, that character. What would the hero of the movie do in your life right now? Yeah, I wasn't ready for that question, man. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so what, it, can you just like maybe yeah, yeah. explain so, a little bit? So what is, what does that mean? A lot what of times, do you do? Well, a lot of times people are like, you know, if you were watching your own life right now and you're rooting for you to, for yourself to do something, generally it's going to be something that, you know, is, is out of the, out of your comfort zone, something, you know, that you probably should work on. Maybe it's something you've been, you know, haven't been paying enough attention to or, or a leap of some sort that you, uh, you've been considering but haven't taken on? I feel like for myself, I usually like to identify myself as someone who enjoys, like, I feel there's a lot of people that would need to hear, it's okay to be fucked up, right? And I never used to do that or never even tried to do that because I felt it reflects on me. Then, okay, well, maybe he's fucked up. Well, maybe blah, blah, blah. And I am truly passionate about just like behavioral psychology and just how the human brain works. That's just something really interesting and fascinating to me personally. And I want to be able to just sit up and talk to people in my own language, in my own when I say in my own language, I meant like just my mental thoughts and just be able to, because that's just takes general courage. Just stand up and say, you're fucked up in one, two, three, four. And there's probably other people that are, and it's okay. And let's all be fucked up together because you generally, the basic form of forming a connection with another human being is just acknowledging common ground. And the one thing that is common between everybody is that we're all slightly fucked up in certain areas. And I want to be able to, be the guy that just stands up and says, yes, I'm fucked up in X, Y, and Z, and I'm trying to improve in this. And let's all just take it easy and roll on together. Cause I'm not that guy at all. I've always been guarded and I want to put myself in a regard where like, listen, I'm the shit. I can do everything. I can do everything better than you can. I will win all the contests that you put. Even if you create a game, I will learn it and win it. That's just my mentality inside. 
And also on the other end, I sometimes am, I'm afraid. I'm sometimes, uh, I feel shit. Like, why do I think these thoughts? Like, why am I so competitive in other, in, in ways? Why do I look at other people's accomplishments and feel bad about myself that I need to beat them? Like all these things, I want to just be as open as possible because I know that there's someone out there that is probably sitting and gets these, you know, mood swings or whatever you want to call them up and down and to know that it's fine and someone else feels like that. And then you could just like put that in a compartment, acknowledge it, put it in a box and then start, you know, moving on with your life and helping other people, that kind of thing. That's awesome, Nina. Really appreciate it. Absolutely agree with that sentiment. Life's a journey and we just need to kind of enjoy the experience. So really appreciate you being on today's show. Before we wrap up here, we always like to get our guests to ask our audience a question. So do you have a question you'd like to ask of the audience? Yeah, I'm going to ask of the audience. Like, I want you to ask yourself this question. And Matt knows this question very well. And I don't know the answer fully to it yet. But just internalize this question and sit down and think to yourself, what do you want? I swear, like, this is so such an easy question on the surface but it's like really tough. Like, I don't know the answer to that question in like 90% of, of my life. And I really want you to sit down and just ask yourself that question in whatever regard you're thinking. Let's say you're thinking about business, just ask yourself that question and spend the time shutting off all distractions and answer it or try to attempt to answer it. You'll find so much benefit it is like, it's actually stupid. That's a great question. And uh, (laughs) yeah, no, I think we all start. I think honestly, the answer to that changes every week for people. And and, I mean, it's a sign that you have time to be introspective. I think financial independence is what part of what offers that or what allows for that is having that having income so that you don't need you, you can have the time to ask yourself those types of questions. But where is the best place for people to find follow and get in touch with you? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at Mina G88. So M I N A. G, like George, 88. So Mina's my name. I'm sounds like a girl's name, but I'm not a girl. And YouTube as well. Mina G88 uh, is my YouTube channel. Thanks again for joining us, Mina. No, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, let me ask you a question, Kellen. What do you want? Like, I am genuinely interested in that question. So I, I, this is something I struggle with all the time. I, uh, I think that for me, I really try to make sure that what I'm working on are things that I enjoy. So more recently, I started to get a little bit of direction. Actually, in the last week or so, I had some clarity come into my mind. And actually, I can kind of see how Matt maybe came to a, <laughs> came to a, the same conclusion but long before I did. The idea that, you know, I find that property management is a difficult thing to bring into place for my business. And if I had buildings that were easier to manage, then it would be a lot easier to bring on property management. So I'm starting to see the value in more purpose-built type buildings and things like that. I can see how that might allow me to scale my portfolio without it necessarily taking more of my time. So I can see how that's something where I could hand things off to management, continue to scale over the coming you know, 10, 20 years, and still be able to live my life and not be the one actively working in the business or managing things. So on the business side of things, that's something I've, I've found. Recently, it's been a goal of mine to outsource more because I run the leanest of operations. I'm the only person <laughs> that does everything I do. So I think there's an extreme to any end. And I think that I think I need to hire more and outsource more. So those are some of the goals that I want right now in order to access more time. Because I had a really great work-life, work-life balance for a while. And then maybe for the last 6 to 12 months, uh, life's been crazy again. So I got I to gotta outsource more and uh, access more of my free time again. Yeah, no, like it's always really inspiring because I remember watching, I don't know if it's a video or somewhere where you were talking about like you're traveling uh, with like in a van and going yeah, yeah. around the world, something like that. Like that is always, I'm always really jealous of people who know what they want in that term, right? Like not only in business, like, you know what you want in business, at least for me, like it's easy for me to, you know, just run around and hustle and get some money. Cause it's not that hard really in whatever aspect you choose to pursue. However, it's really hard to know that I'm doing this because I want to get in a van and do X, Y, or Z, right? Like I want to do this and that's why I'm doing all this work. That is an yeah. extremely difficult question. And like, I'm glad that you answered it for yourself. And yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm always working on it. I think one of the things we've talked about probably from some of the earliest episodes or even, you know, back in 2016 or so when Matt and I at first met, the idea that like the things that tend to make us happiest in life aren't really things that cost us money, at least in my experience. I mean, some of the things I enjoy the most are playing board games with friends, 
going for hikes, going to the beach, like, like just with friends, like a lot of social stuff and, you know, good food and nothing here really costs any significant amounts of money. So I think that, you know, remembering that stuff, it ends up meaning that you want to just unlock as much time as you can in your life. That's what I've found to, to, to make me the happiest. But then in the background, I'd like to have something scaling so that I can step in or out as needed. That's kind of the ideal business for me because I just can't see, I can't work. Like I've been working pretty much consistently for the last five years or so. And I'd like to be able to step out every once in a while and take it, take a week or two off and and know that the business is going to run itself. So that's kind of a goal of mine right now. <laughs> I know we got a little off track, but <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. Uh, it's like, I like these conversations. So I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Well, no, I don't think we've ever had someone jump in with like right before we're about to end the episode of the good question. So, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show. I mean, I really appreciate I it. Callum. Thank you very much. Pleasure talking <laughs> to you the first time. And uh, Matt, yeah, you probably know that my question, I didn't answer it yet. So I'll probably get an answer for you in the next 10 years. That sounds good. <laughs> Thanks, Mina. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks. I really love this episode with Mina. I'd love to hear everyone's thoughts and opinions as well. So we regularly ask you guys to join the London on Fire community. If you guys are a member of the community, I'd love to hear just you know, your answer to Mina's big question, which is, you know, what do you want? It's been something that myself and Mina have been talking about for the last year. And I think it's a really important question that very few people spend the time to ask themselves on. So really hope you got a lot of value, but I'd love to hear your answer to that question as well. Yeah, I like how you kind of sprung me, sprung that on me at the end, because it's something I've always struggled with. I think if you listen even to some early episodes, this is something that, you know, I think Mike Rosehart in one of the first episodes asked, like, what what is enough and, and that kind of stuff. I think a lot of people kind of end up chasing that, doing that hedonic treadmill and scaling. Recently, I've been talking about like golden handcuffs kind of of entrepreneurship. And I think it's fascinating to think, you know, to think about what it is you want and try and live life intentionally. Yeah, absolutely. And while you guys are waiting for the next episode of the On Fire podcast to come out, if you haven't joined us on Facebook, join the London On Fire community and make sure you're following us on Instagram at On Fire Podcast. And make sure to tune in to the next On Fire podcast to meet more people, hear their stories, and learn from their mistakes. And please leave us that written review. Leave us that five-star rating. As I mentioned at the start of this podcast, we're at 98 at the time of this recording on iTunes. I would really love to blow past that 100 rating metric. So guys, it just takes a few moments. Jump over. We really do appreciate it. And thanks for listening. This is Matt. And Kellen signing off. And until next episode, remember being normal, buying stuff doesn't make you happy. And always remember what Henry Ford said. Thinking is the hardest work there is, which is probably the reason so few engage in it.